Welcome to episode 52 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, Nathan, I'm excited that you have chosen to spend your birthday recording <laughs> one of our episodes. So happy birthday to you today. Well, thank you. It'll it'll be the funnest part of my day to spend it with you and, and all of our wonderful listeners. Well, if that's true, Nathan, I think you need to get out more, but that's all right. <laughs> that's good. So as we jump into the podcast, I remember reading the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss when it, when it came out. And to be honest, I, I periodically pick it up to read through it again. There's some really good insights, even though times have changed and things aren't exactly the way they were, uh, there still are some really good insight and ideas from the book. But one quote from that book uh, stands out to me, and it says this, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. And like most areas of our life, sooner or later, nonprofit leaders will need to have an uncomfortable or difficult conversation with someone. It's just, it's just inevitable. But what's surprising to me, and maybe it shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say it's surprising, but a recent stat points out that 40% of people report that they have put off a conversation for six months or more, hoping the issue disappears on its own. I got to yep. say that usually doesn't work well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think avoidance is uh, that good of a strategy. Uh, I, I don't think that works too well. <clears throat> Getting comfortable having difficult conversations is not something that comes naturally to the vast majority of people. However, the good news is it really can be learned. The difficult news is you have to practice as in actually having difficult conversations in order to get better at it. So let's talk a little bit about difficult conversations, what keeps us from having them, and how can we learn to manage them effectively? So, Tim, take it away. Well, maybe to start off with, we should talk about what are some of the different difficult conversations that we might need to have as a nonprofit leader. And, and there are several things that come to my mind. I mean, one is just confronting bad behavior or bad decisions, you know, when it comes to staff or volunteers, or even sometimes it's just obvious that a person is not a good fit for the organization. And you have to have the conversation about that. Maybe they have to leave or things have to change. So that's, that's one. Um, along with sometimes there's conflict between staff and volunteers and nonprofits that sometimes difficult conversations need to be had, need to get, get worked out. I, I think one, if we're being honest, a difficult conversation we may need to have with other staff members or our board. Do you know what? I screwed up. I made a bad decision. I took a wrong action. I said something that I, I regret that I said now, and I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to, can we work out the relationship? Um, and so that's, I've, I've been there. I had to do that on a number of occasions where, you know, you just, you just got to be honest. It's easier to try to sweep it under the rug and go, oh, no, it's okay. Everybody, you know, but sometimes you just have to have the conversation and say, I'm sorry. I, I really did make a mistake. Other things like sometimes we have to, we have to have conversation about unpopular decisions. Maybe we're closing, closing a program, a program's just not being effective. And so we have to talk to the people who are leading or 
the people who are benefiting from it. Along with that, sometimes this is the reality of it, of the situation, saying this is where we are financially, or this is where a project is, or, you know, we thought we were going to do this initiative and it just didn't come together. And I laughed at this one, but, and I know this never happens to you, Nathan, but one of the most difficult <laughs> conversations that some leaders, nonprofit leaders fear even is asking someone for a donation. You know, it happens all the time, Tim. And I, I spend time with people and I talk with people and, and you know, you could, I, I've seen uh, executive directors that are smart and effective and they are, they got it all. They got the whole package and the organization is just doing really well and things are going great. And you sit them down in front of somebody to actually make an ask for a gift and they can't think their mouth doesn't work. They, it, it, everything comes to a screeching halt because of this. It's sometimes even more than fear. It's almost terror of having this conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I, in the past I've actually had for people that were like that, I've actually given them a script and, you know, they're, they're making the ask and they're actually not even looking at the donor eye to eye. They're reading their script, but you know, even off a script is better than not asking itself, but you know, a, a fear think of, uh, think of, uh, phobias, you know, people are, uh, have a phobia over snakes and a fear over spiders or going outside, whatever it could be. You just, you, if that's you, you can't help it. It's not anything that you've done wrong or, or, you know, made bad decisions or lived life wrong. It's just, that's, that's the way you are created. That's the way you're built. And thankfully the rest of our show here is going to be ways to, to help you get around that. <laughs> Well, exactly. I mean, as a nonprofit leader, there are a lot of opportunities that require, and I don't know if it's opportunity is the right word, but there are a lot of times where difficult conversations need to be had. And, and you even shared, Nathan, some of the conversations you had about, you know, having to fire someone or, yeah, you know, talk yeah. with the board on some things. So it's, it's definitely part of what we do. Yeah. And, and you know, a, a topic that's, that's, relevant to today, to the environment that we're working in today. I had a conversation this week with somebody and they had that the issue they're having with a staff person is the staff person is showing up late, uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes every day. And as we talked through it, my comment was, you know, the longer you let this go without addressing it, the more it's ingrained to your staff person's head that that's okay. You know, I've showed up late. 20 minutes every day for two weeks and nobody has said a word to me. So that's my new start time. I could come in at eight 20 or seven 20 or whatever. And the comment that I got from uh, the person I was talking to was, yes, I understand that. But if this leads to me firing them, if I escalate this and I have to fire them, I can't find anybody to replace them. So having them come in at 20 minutes late is better than firing them and not having anybody at all. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with that, but that is a, that is a that's a reality that we're facing today and it just it it just it makes these conversations and getting good at them even more important that you learn how to set these conversations up, how to have have the 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 conversation and then how to manage it afterwards. You know, there's another podcast for us how we set culture because sometimes yeah. we have to make those have those conversations because it's impacting the rest of the team or it's impacting the organization. Absolutely. To ignore it may impact the whole team. So you know, if, Su if Susan could come in 20 minutes late, why can't I come in 20 minutes late? 
definitely conversations we need to have and sometimes difficult. The question I think comes around, what stops us from having difficult conversations? Why don't we just step up and do it? I think I think number one, hands down, number one is fear. We're we're afraid. We're afraid to have the conversation for a number of reasons, I think. And I and and I believe that it requires courage. Because courage is the determination to move forward despite the fear. It doesn't mean we're not going to be afraid, but you're going to move forward even though you are afraid. And the sooner you are able to deal with the discomfort that you feel there, the easier it will be for you to initiate a high-stakes conversation that needs to take place. So so fear is a big one. So what, what are you fearing and how is fear stopping you? I think uh, on, another side, and this maybe talks about the donation conversation. Sometimes we just lack confidence. Like, what do I say? How do I make the ask? Sometimes we're worried about how we'll be perceived. How will people, you know, how will I feel going through that? Or how, what will people think of me if I have that conversation? Or I just don't want people to feel bad. Yeah, I don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> and sometimes we just don't want to deal with the drama. You also have another, another one you brought up, too, about um, assumption. Yeah. And that is, you know, as again, we're, we're not most people there. Now, some of you listening, you, you may not struggle with this and that, and that's great, but probably most of you, this is something that you do struggle with. And, and one of the things, one of the things that keep us from having these conversations is assuming correctly or, or even incorrectly that an extreme negative outcome is going to come from this from this conversation. And there's a fear of, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in this conversation and we're going to meet in my office or we're going to meet in the conference room or we're going to meet wherever we meet. And, you know, it's going to go bad and they're going to be angry with me and, you know, they're going to yell. And, and I, I think we, because we, we don't have, you know, going back because we don't have the confidence of doing this. We don't have the experience in doing these things. We, we have this, this void of, of outcomes and human nature is we plug in negative outcomes when we have this void to fill. So we're making assumptions that this is going to go terrible and awful. And who wants to do that? You know, who wants to get up on a Wednesday morning and go to work and knowing that you have to have this conversation with this person at two o'clock in the afternoon and you're fretting over it and you're, you know, all day, you're just agonizing over this. Who wants to do that? Mm -hmm. So you just don't do it. And that's that's how you end up not having these conversations, which just makes things worse. There are these things that keep us, that stop us oftentimes from having difficult conversations, but we need to identify them and move forward so that we can be effective and impactful in our leadership and in our organization. Let's talk about how do we have this difficult conversation? What are some things that we can do to help us move forward? Just make a commitment, first of all, that you are not going to put difficult conversations off. And that doesn't mean you're like a vulture looking for every little time you can have a difficult conversation. But when you see those things, make a commitment. I'm I'm not going to just push this aside and wait six months. I am going to take what measures I need to, and I'm gonna I'm gonna step into this, even though it may be difficult and, and frustrating. There's a there's an aspect of preparation when you're going to have a conversation too. So oftentimes 
these things, you don't want to just like step up and just go for it. But it's important maybe to pull back a little bit and prepare. Some of the things you might be asking as you think about this, as you prepare to to have this conversation is to is to to answer the question, what what happened? What is the issue? What's what's the thing that is causing conflict or need to be addressed? You know, along with why do I, why do I need to have this conversation? <laughs> you know, is it is it impeding our organization? Is it is it making difficult for relationships? But why do I need to have a conversation? It's also as you think about having the conversation. What's my perception of what the other person is thinking? What is what is their what is their perspective on this issue we're going to talk about? Nathan, you and I were talking about this ahead of time. I think it's important to identify what you hope you, the outcome will be. As I was doing research for this, some people were like, "No, don't don't come up with any outcomes." But more often, I heard, "Have some outcomes, but be flexible. Flexible. Don't necessarily go." It's my way or the highway. And I think on on this particular on what is what is my hope for outcome? If you have a genuine hope for the best possible outcome for whoever, you know, if it's one person or multiple people, whoever, and 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 you want them to be a better staff person for their own sake so that you know that they that their job as well they like their job so they can feed their family or you know if you if you genuinely want that outcome for them or if they are if they're a difficult staff person and you you know in your heart that they're just they're really not in the right organization they're not in the right job and your your outcome is to uh, help them find another position at another organization, whatever that is. If if you have this genuine desire to do what's best for the people that you're talking to, I think your outcomes come much better. Taking some time to prepare for the conversation is really important. Once you get into the conversation, I think first of all, it's important to give some context. Provide the context to the person you're talking to and some of the background. It's it's basically the why we are having this conversation. And and I don't know about you, Nate, but sometimes I've initiated these conversations and the person I'm talking to has no idea, has no clue. Wait a minute, what? What's going on? I think I missed that. Or they may have not realized that there's even a problem. Right. And and that's down that same road that some of the ones that I've had in the past, you have, you know, this is particularly in the in the context of of having a disagreement among staff or volunteers or even board members uh in the past where you have this conflict and as the leader you've got to figure out how to solve that conflict and it's amazing especially if it's two or more people involved how often somebody in the conversation does not understand what happened does not was misinformed or well you said this. And then the other person says, no, that's not what I said. I said this. And then the other person's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I was, I I was misinformed on that. And then it's just like problem solved. And so, you know, it's, you've got to make sure as you get into these conversations that, and even, even if it's just with you as the leader and another person is, is, do they understand what's happening? What's happened? And are you both on the same page? Because if you're not on the same page, you, you can't you can't have a productive conversation if you're coming from 
two total different levels of understanding what's happening. Not only providing some context and laying out why we're we're meeting, but I think it's important that we work on listening and trying to understand the person that we are in the conversation with. And so it's really important to be present. And that's really hard because I know when I step into these conversations, oftentimes my mind is trying to stay out a few steps ahead. It's like, okay, they're going to say this. I'm going to say this. You know, you kind of play it out. And it's just so important to be present and really be listening and say, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to make judgment at the moment. I just need to listen and, and to remember this may be hard, but to remember that the goal is not to win this conversation. It's not us and them. It really, it feels that way. And, you know, at some point as a leader, maybe you're going to have to make a final decision. But as you step in this conversation, the goal is not to win the conversation. It's to listen and understand and to really see things from each other's perspective. And, we're the same way, right? Nathan, sometimes we come into this conversation. We've totally missed the point. Yep. We think we do, but yeah, I already have the, dis- I already have the outcome in my mind. I've just, I just need to have this conversation to check the box. And it goes back to being flexible that we talked about a little bit ago is yes. As the leader, ultimately you're going to have to make the decision. And yes, you may already have worked out in your head, a preferred pathway forward, but that's just the preferred pathway forward. That doesn't mean that's written in, in concrete. So this, this conversation and part of that process can, you know, help you come up with maybe even a better answer than you would have gotten on your own. I remember a time of having to, to lead through a financial difficulty in an organization where we were going to have to lay off a certain number of, of staff. And it was very clear. I mean, as a, as a leader, I was having to make decisions initially to help keep the organization moving forward and accomplishing its mission and being effective in what we do. Um, but I but I realized that was probably the right decision. But as I had conversation with people, I needed to help think through how also can I be a support for them? It's not just about the organization, but it's also them. It doesn't mean I'm going to change the decision that has to be made, but how can we help help our staff through this. And um, and I just, I mean, you hear all kinds of stories of people sitting at their desks and getting a phone call, you're done. Or on a Zoom call, it's like, hey, 50% of you are gone. But how much better to actually have conversations as difficult as they are, but then also thinking about how this is going to impact people and what can, what the organization can do to help them, if possible depending on the conversation and the situation, if possible, it's really important to look for shared solutions. Um, Can If there's an issue, can we come to some agreement that addresses the issue? And I don't always have the answers. I mean, I may come with an answer, but if I'm working together with someone, maybe the answer we come to, the solution we come to is better than my own thinking. And again, as we just mentioned, it's it's, it's important to understand what the other person or persons want our need out of the decision. So I'm looking, I'm looking at that as well. I had a situation once this was years ago and we had a staff person who just in today's world, she, her vocabulary, she was toxic. She just, she didn't like the organization. She didn't like the vision. She didn't like the mission. She didn't like the people. She didn't like the people we were serving. 
it came to work every day angry and upset and it was it so we had to make we had to do something and it, it fell to me to do that and so we sat down and we started the conversation and when i you know right off right off the bat i said i know you you've not been happy uh here at the organization it it's been pretty obvious and i think it's it's time for us to determine how to move you out of this position uh and her initial response her first response to that was oh thank goodness um and it was and i was a little shocked at that response it's not the response that i was uh that i was thinking of and as we as we talked it came out that she had she hated it she hated her job she didn't like her coworkers she did, she she just it was a misery to come to work every day and i said why didn't you say something and she said she was afraid and so and so what we did then was we we actually helped her we got her resume uh we helped her get her resume together uh to make it a little bit better um i made some calls in the community for different places that would fit and it took us uh, about 3 weeks 4 weeks and we got her a different position in another organization she was happy she became a very good uh, employee for them and it it was a, it turned out being a great uh a, a great outcome for everybody but it was that initial of having to sit down and start that conversation and it 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 turned out good but you know it those are like we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes those are difficult conversations to start but my final point here one of the things that i i've learned from my current my current boss is that when you have these conversations and you come to some conclusions uh, make sure that the next steps are clear and we don't want to leave expectations or next steps ambiguous. And so we've talked, we've wrestled through some things. We've come to some shared ideas or solutions. Um, so then it's important to make sure we clarify that. And one of the things that he does oftentimes is he'll do a follow-up email and it, the email will, will, Focus on clarity. So here's what we talked about. This is what I understand to be what the actions uh, to be what the actions are that we've decided on, and then we'll put it out there. So it gives again another opportunity to make sure we he we've heard the same thing, and we're going in the same direction. And so whatever you need to do to make sure that the expectations and next steps aren't ambiguous, do it. Because oftentimes we can have what we think is a really good conversation and we walk away and realize we're still going in different directions. And so I think that's a that's an important next step. Wrapping this up and, and some closing thoughts for today, you know, difficult conversations are, are part of leadership, whether you're leadership in a home or leadership at a nonprofit or for profit at your church. Well, any organization, anytime you're you're working with people you're going to have, uh, again, opportunities, Tim, I'm not sure if that's the best word, but that's the word we're using. You're going to have opportunities to, to have these difficult conversations. And likely, if you aren't having difficult conversations at all, it's probably because you're not, you're, you're not pushing, you're not, you're not, uh, uh, striving for excellence or you're not striving to be the best. Because when you're when you're pushing forward and striving forward, 
that is times where conflict comes up and and these conversations it's a natural point of time for those uh conversations so uh you know try to try to understand each other uh make a commitment to have the conversation don't put it off make sure you're giving context to the people in the conversation so everybody's on the same page work on your listening skills uh try to understand what what the other person or what the other people uh what they're looking for look for shared solutions uh and then like tim just shared uh make sure that everybody's clear on what the what the next steps are and as leaders we we do have ultimately we have to make decisions that is our job that's the job description of being a leader you have to make decisions but being able to be effective at having these difficult conversations it'll make you a better leader and ultimately it will drive your organization forward to be more effective in reaching your vision and mission is there a conversation that you've been putting off a, a difficult conversation that needs to be you need to have with somebody and you're just you're stuck and you're not really sure how to get it started or how to prepare for it you could go to nonprofitleader.online and leave us a message or send us an email. Our address is, is in the show notes. And just reach out to us and let us know what you're struggling with. Let us know what conversation you need to have. And we'll just, we'll go over it. Maybe we can help you get unstuck and, and maybe we can set you up to have a good, productive, difficult conversation. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.